to be, I think, very rich. I have, uh, we've had a busy week. Oh, have we ever had a busy week. We had our camp meeting this week, and something happened at, happened at camp meeting that I have been in ordination services now for probably close to 60 years. Uh, I have been preaching for 56 years, and before that, I ever, uh, before I ever preached a sermon, I was uh, at uh, ordination services. But this week, in our district camp meeting out here at the uh, campgrounds, something happened that I have never seen in at least six decades. It may have been longer, but at least six decades I saw something happen on ordination night when they ordained uh, two of our ministers. One of them was a preacher from uh, Vietnam. He and his wife and three kids fled Vietnam uh, for a death sentence on their life. If you are a Christian in Vietnam and they find out about it, you are sentenced to death. They kill you. Now, if you don't believe that, that's okay. That's the truth. They will kill Christians now. fact of the matter is our friendly and wonderful neighboring uh, denomination called the Assemblies of God Churches. They announced at Sagu when I was in the crowd that it is against the law to build a church in Vietnam. It's against the law. They, they will kill the preacher. And this family fled Vietnam, came here, and went into the DFW, one of those mid-cities, and he started preaching and loving God and built a church here in the USA. And he applied and passed all the stuff necessary to become an ordained preacher in our fellowship. And I saw something Wednesday night that I've never seen in all of these years. The power of God fell in the church service early. I mean the real power of God. Somebody says, what does that mean? If, if you've never been in it, you wouldn't know. But if you have been in it, you'd say, I know. Amen? Have you ever seen the glory of God come down in a crowd and everybody was caught up in the Spirit of the Lord in adoration and praise and worship and the power of God just filled the house? And when they were about to ordain two preachers, the glory of the Lord, like in the Old Testament, like in the book of Acts, okay, let's just be real about it. Let's, let's just be real about it. Like the Bible days, the power of God came. And that, that wonderful guy from uh, Vietnam and his wife and three children were there about to be ordained. The Spirit of God fell, and he just crumbled to the floor before God, just like John did in Revelation chapter 1. Somebody said, well, I didn't know that happened anymore. Well, when you get in God's presence close enough, the saint, God's the same. It's not God's fault that we have veered away from a lot of things. That means amen right here. Okay. okay. And the other preacher was standing here and his wife. And he pastors a church in the ghetto in Houston. In the ghetto. When you're going down I-45 and you get to Tidwell Road exit and you exit off to the right and turn left under that freeway, honey, you're going to the ghetto. 
that's where he pastors. They have iron bars over his windows at the church, an inch around, and and both you wouldn't believe it. And and both of these guys got ordained, and both of them before the ordination service even began, melted before the Lord. I mean, they melted like butter in the floor, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and people were loving God, and the Spirit was just like. Uh, like it in the Bible again, okay? In the Bible again, it was like God's presence was a vapor that was rising. And if you don't know this, I hope you do, but if you don't, God has a nose. Come on, God has a nose. This is not my sermon. I'm going to preach here in about 30 minutes, all right? I'm, I'm kidding, okay. God has a nose. God smells the incense of praise. That's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. I taught a whole series on that in this church one time. And do you know that the glory of God was so strong and so powerful that, you, you know, you could sense the presence of God. And, and so, just as it was in the New Testament, the glory of God filled the house. We started church that night at 7 o'clock. Not a lie. And at 11.30 is when we finally walked out of the door. Somebody said, well, why would you go to church for three and a half hours? For the same reason some of you watch a football game for three and a half hours. Duh. Amen. The world is in no rush. Oh, but we are. We have to get, we have to get there and get out. Look, God's still alive. Amen. God's still on the throne. Jesus is still the Son of God. Amen. And I just want to praise God for what I've been through this week, spiritually. Uh, and, and so many friends and hugs. And when people were leaving the camp meeting, preachers standing on the parking lot with their arms wrapped around each other and their families and just praying for each other and telling you love them. And I'll see you in the next meeting. And, and a beautiful experience this week. And I want to praise God for that. And everybody smile real big and say hallelujah. Okay? God bless you good. Uh, <clears throat> I want them to put my title up first. Uh, can we get the title on the screen? Is it just about there? All right, it's there. Three-fourths of y'all are laughing, and the rest of you folk are not laughing too much. Would you grin big? If you don't want to go to church, why do you want to go to heaven? I mean, why in the world? Somebody said, well, where'd you come up with that title? I have no clue. Probably when I was preaching a revival in Arkansas. Is that where I first saw that? Barbara, we were in Arkansas somewhere preaching. And I think in Arkansas, they, they, they hung on to Pentecost a little longer than we did. But, but, uh, but I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, and read my text. And if you do not have uh, your... Uh, Bible with you, you can read it on the screen, or you can turn on your little electronic device and go with me there to 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. And uh, when I see all of you either not turning pages or looking up, then I'll go ahead and read uh, the text. So I think we're pretty well there looking across the crowd. Although I hope to come to you soon, Paul says to Timothy, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, 
which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Is that a beautiful text? Say amen. And then the next scripture that I will read is St. John 14 and verse 6 again out of the NIV. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, uh, Sister Janetta, do you have my cartoon ready? All right, and I want everybody in this, uh, before she put it, I want everybody to, to, to grin, real, grin at me right now. I want to see your, your ivories, okay? All right, I can see most of them. This is going to be funny. I'm not meaning it offensive because you're here, all right? But let's put this on the screen. Let's put it on the screen, and I'm going to preach. Can you read all the words? It's kind of filtering across the crowd right now. <laughs> Elizabeth, you want to leave it up for long enough to get a picture of it? <laughs> if anybody wants a picture of that on your phone, tell me, and I'll text it to you when church is over. All right? Did you get it uh, over here? Sarah, did you get it over here? Amen. All right. Here's the Lord, or whoever. They all, they, everybody says Peter's at the gate. I don't know why they say that. It's, not an ounce of scripture for it necessarily. But here's the, the representative from heaven. And he's looking at all the people. And he says, for all of you that attended church, he said, come on into heaven. And for you that didn't, y'all going to stay outside. We have a big screen out here. You can watch church on TV out here. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I had a week and a half to get over that. I've been wanting to use that everywhere. And... Uh, the Holy Ghost checked me and checked me and checked me because it's offensive to some people. I finally called Melissa last night, and I, and I sent it to her, and I said, can I put that on the screen? She texts back about three of those funny, laugh-to-you-cry faces and said, sure, let's go for it. So if anybody doesn't like this, <laughs> right there. Amen. But don't you forget, she's my daughter, so don't treat her very bad. You'll get me, okay? All right. <clears throat> The chapter that I have read to you from today is written against the backdrop of mounting world tension. Our hate-filled world is desperate for a decent way to live. In a frantic search for security and stable standing ground, the scepter of this nation has been placed into the hands of science because they're saying politically now we follow the science. And the spotlight is on space with all the missiles going up. And men are watching missiles that are guided, but mankind is being misguided. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Now, men are lost on the suburb or the outskirts of truth. Give me a little truth, just not all of it. Give me some, but not too much. Don't press me too hard. I'm not going to be a religious radical. Uh, don't demand too much of me. Me and the man upstairs have got our own deal worked out in 
I'm working with him. Well, I want to talk today about that. I'm probably a little too ignorant to speak like a wise man. But I trust that I'm a little too wise to speak like an ignorant man. And a man does not have to be listed in who's who today to know what's what. If you will take your smartphone in one hand and focus your eyes on the world, and you will see that civilization right now is toying with degradation and flirting with doom and disaster. Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, the best preacher of, that I've ever heard, I guess, in my life. Uh, African-American buddy of mine from the West Coast who recently went to be with the Lord said, and I quote, that high-minded men are running the streets like mad dogs that beat uncertain paths. Lockridge said that selfishness has evaporated human kindness and pain and panic are chasing each other like June bugs that play on a summer night. He said, paradise has turned into pandemonium and puny men are still dabbling around in passing days. I use this today because I believe that. Dr. Lockridge was a man of God. He could preach better than anybody I know. And I had conversations with him on occasion. He's a Southern Baptist preacher who lived for God and made his calling and election sure. You see, in our day, under the magic of science, distance has disappeared. We no longer say that Los Angeles is uh, X number of miles from London, England. We just say it's 10 hours at 630 miles an hour at 37,000 feet in an American Airlines DC-10. You see, I... Uh, I can't go anywhere in this world nowadays uh, and, and see anything that somebody else hasn't already seen. Uh, I can't go anywhere in the world and sin. Uh, somebody said, well, what does that mean? It means I can't do it. Uh, I, I was fishing in Colorado in a trout stream a few years ago. I had a fly on the end of my, uh, my fly rod, and I was, I was popping the end of it out in the crystal clear water. And then a minute a rainbow came up and got a hold of the, the, uh, uh, the little uh, bug that I was fishing with that had been tied in some, some uh, store somewhere that builds uh, you know, bait. And uh, when I set the hook, the trout came up and tail-walked the water and went down and tail-walked it again. And I gently, with a four-pound leader, uh, wrestled him to the bank gently and put him in a net and held him up and looked at him. And right up there, about from here to the end of that altar, a man looked at me and said, Good job, Brother Johnson. And I turned around and looked at the guy. And I said, Who are you? And he said, You held a revival for us in Coffeeville, Kansas, ten years ago. I know who you are. I even remember a sermon you preached. And here I am in the middle of a different state where he was not from and I'm not from, and I crossed trails with somebody, the world is all of a sudden much closer together. Amen. Distance uh, has disappeared, you could say. Science has given us proximity. We're all close. But let me tell you, also, we have proximity, but sometimes we don't have community. 
And when you have proximity and you don't have community with people getting together and doing it right, whether you realize it or not, that we are interrelated and we're interdependent on each other. And it's going to take a church of the living God that loves Jesus, probably will never be perfect in the history of the world. But then again, I want you to understand that people don't go to churches sometimes because they say, I saw hypocrites there, but they go straight over to Tiger Field and go to a football game with them and shop at Walmart and H-E-B with them. And then they say, I'm not going to go to sit down in the house and hear the Word of God. Duh. Come on and go to church. You need the Lord anyway. There you go. Come on. Come on. There we go. There we go. Good. So I, what I'm trying to convey, unless we learn how to live with each other, it's doubtful that we're going to continue with life at all. And I'm not a downer, but be sure today, these are tempestuous times. Our age is complex. Would you agree? Our, our age is dynamic. Would you agree? And it's also very dangerous. Yet the church has the creative power of the Word of God that is still true, that is still accurate, it cannot be proven wrong. That's been tried for 2,000 years, and nobody's ever done it yet. No matter what level of education they had or lack thereof, nobody's ever proven the Bible wrong. And I'm going to tell you, God can do more when the water is stirred in trouble than He can when it's calm because He did it in the Bible. Let's let the world get stirred, but let's have a revival in the power of the Holy Spirit of God today that will touch lives. Amen? Now, let's understand... That the Lord is on the throne. Second Corinthians chapter number 12 and in, uh, in, uh, in verse number 10, it says, For when I was weak, then God made me strong. And the world is, is shooting darrow, uh, uh, arrows and darts at the body of Jesus. But while they're doing that, let's not give up. You see, because the church has positive strength and energy. We have positive strength and energy. And we're not some afterthought of God. When man failed, God backed up into heaven and did not say, Oh, man, I wonder why that had to happen. And God had to come up and think up some other plan. No, no, no. This church of the living God, the body of Christ, wherever they are right now, all the saved people, not just in this room, everybody that's a Christian, we are not some temporary expediency, and we're not an afterthought of God. God built a church, and this church of the living God holds a vital place in the scheme of redemption. If I were to ask, how many of you got saved in a church? How many of you accepted the Lord in a church? Hands would go up everywhere because the church is playing a vital role. You see, Christ is here. And if you look at all of the combined and systemized and organized opposition and the fallen angels and evil men in the world today that are clamoring on how to stop the church, guess what? They have failed grossly because every Lord's Day, the church of the living God is still in business. Hallelujah. We're not going to close down. We're not going to shut down. We're not going to back out, and we're not going to back off. We're saved by the blood, and we have an eternity called heaven in front of us. And I praise God for the joy I have in knowing that Jesus Christ is still the Savior of the world. Amen. Would you give God some praise there? You see, the glory of Rome is gone. The grandeur of ancient Greece is no more. The armies of Assyria have ceased to march. The pharaohs in Egypt are all dethroned. The beautiful garden of Babylon is faded. Ancient philosophy 
has changed. Modern industry is walking on the strike line and the picket line. But guess what hasn't changed? The church of the living God. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ah, how beautiful is the church today. So if you don't want to go to church, why do you want to go to heaven? Amen. Let me tell you this. The church had her origin in Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us that it was born. It had a birth. Jesus said, I'm going to build it. He said that specifically. Uh, and he said that only two times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Nowhere else. Nowhere else had the church, Ecclesia in Greek, nowhere had it ever been mentioned before. Never one time in history. God kind of coined a new phrase for us here called a church. And do you know that that church was, had its seed planted and those disciples went to the upper room. And when they got there, the power of God endued them on the day of Pentecost. And there was a birth that exalted the name of Jesus. They preached about Christ. They did not preach about speaking in tongues. And that is the gift of the Spirit, but they didn't preach about that. They preached about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. They preached about salvation. They preached about hope and peace and life in days to come. They preached on every bit of this stuff. So let me tell you, if a church got here before Christ, then it got here too early. If it showed up after Jesus, it showed up too late. There's still a real church of the living God in the world made up of born-again believers who love Jesus Christ. Drive out of this building right here, go the next one up the street, and they're in there worshiping Jesus. Would you say amen? Go down that way, and you'll find another one. Go over there and there's another one. Go to the east side of town, the north side of town. It doesn't matter. Somebody today is in a church somewhere singing and loving and praising and listening to the Word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. How beautiful it is to be a part of the church. You see, the church is the body of Christ. The Bible said it is also the bride of Christ. It also says it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And then the next thing it said about the church is the pillar and foundation of truth, my text that I read a while ago. There are three things I want to throw in front of you very briefly. Number one, as the body of Jesus Christ, the church imputes the life of Christ that projects into the world out of a church. It really does. If you're living for Christ and you're a part of the body of Christ, then you're projecting the life of Jesus. The next thing about the temple of the Holy Spirit, that's where the church is in your life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is a habitation through which God's Spirit moves, not in a building necessarily, but out yonder, out yonder somewhere, you have the power and the privilege of knowing the hand of God. The other day, uh, our district bishop, along with uh, maybe Tom Racy, was checking out of Home Depot, a little amusing story that some of you may have heard. And when they were checking out at Home Depot, it was so hot, and it was like 106 that day. And they were, everybody was saying, oh, no, it's hot, and we need rain. And it went on and on. And finally, Brother Racy spoke up to the district bishop and said out loud, he said, wow, I wish Jesus would come today. Amen. Like, get us out of this blazing heat that we're in. And all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, a guy turned around and looked at them. And he said, yep, I do too. And they thought he was a Christian. They got up to the front, and when he checked out, he turned around and looked at them and said, because when Jesus comes, all the people like you are going to be out of here. 
It was an insult of all insults. Could I tell you something? That dude is right. He's going to stay here. He's going to be here. He's going to face seven years of tribulation, a mark of the beast. He's going to go through everything that Pastor Michael had been preaching about before the sabbatical. He's going, but guess what's going to happen to you and me? We're going to be carried out of here at the sound of a trumpet, and the church of the living God is going to rise and meet Jesus in the clouds of glory. We might as well get happy about that today. Amen. You didn't show up here today, DOA, dead on arrival. We're alive. Jesus is coming. We have hope and peace in the Lord right now. Amen. Got to say amen to my own preaching. Hallelujah. All right. Now, the church is married to Jesus. We really are. We're the chaste virgin uh, uh, to, to our husband, the Lord. And he will ultimately present himself to us uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, a glorious church that does not have a spot or wrinkle in the garment. Now, the church is also, are you ready for this? It's in a class by itself. We're not a business structure. We're in the Father's business. That's Bible. Where? They looked at Jesus and said, Where have you been? And he said, I've been about my Father's business. There you go. And if you will listen to this carefully, I'll also tell you that we're not the school system. We're not the bank. We're not a financial system. We're the body of Jesus Christ. We're intermingling everywhere. Sprinkle us out there. We're the salt that will save this generation from eternity without God. We're the light that's going to beam in the middle of a dark night. We're salt and we're light. And the church is in a class by herself. And the church holds a supreme place in the affection of God. What is He coming back for? Say out loud, a church. That's what He's coming for. And we cannot get mixed with everything in the world and believe that, that, that we're going to be right. God has some rules. God has regulations. God's a God of order. He did not just say, world, form yourself. No, He made it. He created it. He built the church. He gave spiritual gifts and named every one of them. And He said they're to be done in order. You don't get out of order. God is a God of order. Would you say amen? And having said that, the church is the agent through which Christ continues to do His will in this world spiritually and financially and physically because we give, we love, we pay for missionary trips across the sea. We do all of those things. The church is God's instrument for world evangelism. And the church contains the leaven or the yeast that will make the dough, the church spread big and wonderful. Now, the church serves as salt that saves a civilization from spoiling. She makes bad men good and good men better. Would you agree with that? How many of you got better since you started the church? Amen? I point this out to you because when bad men are made good and good men are made better, then the world gets to be a better place to live in. That's powerful. And the challenge of the church and this disturbed culture is that we're dedicated to one proposition, and that one proposition is that Jesus Christ is everything that somebody needs. And if you meet Him, you met everything. Hallelujah. Because He'll change your life, save your life, deliver you, and make you whole and put joy in your heart. And when the world talks about China's missiles flying and Taiwan digging under, and, and, uh, and Ukraine, and Russia, and all the stuff that's going out there, and all the stuff going on politically in our world. And while that's going on, 
you'll be able to lay down on the bed at night and shut your eyes and say, Lord, if the first atom bomb hits my house, that only means I'm in heaven before everybody else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give God honor for that. Somebody said, you're looking at it. I told you the church is a positive for the world. It really is. The challenge of this church is that we're dedicated to the proposition that Christ is everything. He is our Savior. The challenge of the church is that the confused world is out there, and they're still upset while we're walking still upright. Would you agree? I mean, when they want your six-year-old kid in school to make his own mind or her own mind up or its own mind up, whether it's going to be a boy or a girl, which one do you want to be? What do you think right now? Who cares? Look at me. When I was a little kid, we played cowboys and Indians. We did that. Man, what, what if my mother... And Dad looked at me and said, what are you going to be? And I want to say, I'm a pirate. I'm glad they didn't go schedule me to have my eye cut out and a peg leg put on my leg. I'm glad they didn't run to the hospital and schedule it for me. Maybe you don't agree, but maybe you've been wrong before. I'm, I'm glad that I have the joy of knowing that Jesus has upright people in an upset world. You know, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, all, all of that stuff is beautiful in the name of the Lord. The church is a necessity for people who prize peace and progress and purity. Peace in your heart. How many of you have that? How many of you prize progress? Aren't you glad you're making it somewhere? Well, what about purity and walking in the beauty of holiness? You see, the beauty about all of this, now I'm trying to rush to a close here, and I'm going to close this sermon seven times today, so that's number one. But the church is a voice for those who dare not speak against the opposition. I'm glad we got some, I'm glad we have some Billy Grahams around in our past. Amen. I'm glad we got some preachers that will stand up somewhere in ball fields and stadiums and preach the truth. I'm glad we got some folks on the television that'll get up and preach the Bible. I'm glad we got somebody that's not looking to DC for for ever answer, because I learned a long time ago that Washington DC does not have an answer. The answer is two thousand years ago, one man on a one cross died for all of our sin, and that day when he died, he reached down and got man in one hand. And he reached up and got God in the other hand. And he put God and man back together. And Jesus is a connection to eternal life. I'm glad that the church promises life and joy to everyone who comes and says, I want to follow the man who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know what the church is doing right now in the world? It is affirming that Christ is the way and the only qualified one that is suitable and compassionate and all-sufficient Savior a grand man from Galilee and the founder of the city of God and the author and finisher of our faith, and he is everything that you need today, and he'll change your life radically. He'll, he'll heal your mental state. He'll heal your physical state. He'll touch your life in every way, socially and whatever. Every torch in the world that renders a testimony to God's greatness has been lit by the goodness of God's light for this world. Jesus is still the light of the world. Would you shout amen to that? Now, 
every trend that we have in our society is going to lead us to a triumph is real, and God is on our side. If you look at a bird flying through the air, you'll say there's a God. If you look at the flames of the sun through some type of a, a thing that would protect your eyes in the heat of the sun, uh, it, it takes a sunbeam. Uh, it takes a sunbeam somewhere around nine minutes to get here at, uh, at, uh, at that speed of light. If you look at and you see that, you, th- you think there's got to be a God who can make that. Amen? He's the creator of the universe. He came from nowhere. He stood on nothing when there was nothing to stand on. He reached out where there was nowhere to reach. He called a hold to something when there was nothing to catch a hold of. And he created the world out of nothing and hung it in mid-space, mid-air and said, stay there and guess what? It's still here. You got anybody else can do that around? I'm afraid not. We've got God, friend. God's still alive. The church is still doing quite well. We survived all that junk and all that trash out there. We survived every ounce of that. We made it in Jesus' name. And I want to go to church because I want to go to heaven. Amen. I'll bring some stuff to you that I think will put you on your feet, praising God. Are you ready? Jesus is loftier and lovelier than all other leaders that have ever lived. He is more durable and more desirable than all the dignitaries that have ever been here. Every torch that renders testimony to God's greatness is lit by the love of God. Every tie of affection that has been knit by His kindly and kingly love is only the reason we can love one another. Every trend in this world that leads to triumph has been tutored by the victorious and virtuous life of Jesus. The fame of His excellent name is reflected through the stars in heaven, the galaxies and the birds of the air, the flowing hills of the stream and the mountains and the fruitful trees and fields and the fragrant flowers of springtime. This is what the psalmist meant when he said that the heavens declare the glory of God. Look up and see Him. He's out there, and He's real. You see, no means of measurement can define His limitless love. You see, the heavens of heavens cannot contain Him, yet a man alone trying to explain Him. There's no far-seeing telescope that can bring into visibility the coastline of the shortest love of God Almighty. If nobody would have ever been born in history except you, Except you. If there had never been a human born in history except you, the Son of God would have still gone to Calvary and died for your sin to save you from an eternity without God. That's how much God loves us today. That's good news. Would you praise God for that one? Amen? Watch this, if you will. There's no foreseeing telescope. There are no barriers that can hinder Him from pouring out His blessing. Jesus Christ. Let's hear it for Jesus. Amen? Jesus Christ is enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast. He is immortally graceful. He is imperially powerful. He is impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's Son. He's a center Savior. He's a centerpiece for everybody in civilization. He stands alone in the solitude of, of Himself. He stands august and unique and divine and unparalleled and unprecedented, supreme and preeminent. 
His name is God Almighty. How many of you know that? Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get happy here. I, I, I feel a run coming on all of a sudden. I want you to hear me. Uh, he is the loftiest idea in all of literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem of the higher critic. The folks who say there is no God, he's their big problem. Hallelujah. When they say, well, here is why he can't exist, then he shows up anyhow. And here's why he died, and then he's still alive. And here's why he's not real, but he's still real. When you bow down at night by your baby's bedside in the favored brow, and you say, God, heal my precious baby. And Jesus shows up in the divine healing tank. My God, have mercy. I feel the Lord here right now. I want you to know he's a supreme problem of higher critics. He is the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of absolute spiritual religion that's in the world. He's the miracle of every age. He's the superlative of everything good and everything you can call him good. You can put Jesus' name right there. Would you agree with that? Well, he is in every way capable to supply your need in life. When your bank account gets low and your blood pressure gets high, God still loves you and he'll meet your need. When you fill up at the gas pump and the price is so high that you can't hardly stand it, you'll go away and brag to somebody. You normally won't brag if you've been to an expensive store. You normally don't say, well, I've been today to... Uh, you know, whatever, the big store in downtown Dallas. You don't normally brag about that. But when you drive away from the gas pump, you can brag that you've been to a high-priced store. How true. Would you say amen to that? But when you're there and the budget is stretched and thin and you've got to put more water in the gravy, <laughs> amen, and the bean vine is not producing the beans, and, and life is tough, and, and you're a country boy like me, Amen. How many country folk do I have here today? i got a guy that lives close to me out there. He's country. Y'all know he's country? I'm going to tell you how country he is. His front porch fell off his house the other day and hurt three dogs. Amen. We're just kidding, all right? Just trying to be funny a little bit. I want y'all to get it today. Jesus is loving us. I said Jesus is loving us. Jesus is on your side right now. There's a church in this city that can help you. There's a preacher in this town that loves you. There's a God who opens up a door where you won't go to hell. There's a joy in your heart when you get saved. And you kneel down knowing that now I have eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the wisdom of His Word never wanes. The reservoir of His resources never recede. You see, the burnish of His beauty never blemishes. The vigor of all the virtues of God they never vary. He's the same right now. You understand the prowess of His power does not perish. The fountain of His fullness never fails. I'll say it in three words. Jesus never fails. Hallelujah. Give Him some praise in the house. Jesus never fails. He is in every way qualified to save you and to be a suitable, all-sufficient Savior who will never leave you nor forsake you in your darkest hour, in your happiest hour, in your loneliest hour, in your joyous hour, in any hour of your life. When things are wrong and the bank account is bad and the light bill's not paid and the world is looking you in the face and saying, where's your God now? Look up. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus is still on the throne. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know better than to say it three times. They taught me better in Bible college, but hallelujah anyhow. Amen. He is in every way qualified. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His mercy is everlasting. His love is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. And in the 21st century, when all of hell is being unleashed, and the world is uncertain, and everybody's watching every newscast, they're online looking at it, on the cell phone looking at it, in front of the television looking at it, and they're looking everywhere, and they're going over to Hulu, <laughs> and they're going over to Facebook, and they're going over to something else, and something else, and something else. And I listed about 20 of those things two weeks ago. And they're looking everywhere to find everything to give them some peace in their heart. Let me tell you where you'll find it. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, an emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross for the dearest and the best, for a world of lost sinners was slain. I'll cherish the old rugged cross, and I'll cling to it now. In this world of uncertainty, I've got a Savior. Hallelujah. On the backside of heaven, somewhere, I don't know where, and don't you dare ask me to prove this because I can't, but I kind of believe it, all right? On the backside of heaven, there's an angel, and he's got a trumpet in his hands. He's got a trumpet in his hands. I think he blew it in Genesis one time, just a little bitty, boop, like that. And when he blew it, Enoch went, and was raptured right out of here. Y'all remember that? Have you read the Bible? Y'all remember that? A little later, I think he practiced on it again. And he went like that. And when he did, Elijah went in a fiery chariot. And I I think right now, if he were to walk up to the Lord and say, Can I blow this? The Lord said, Wait a minute. You've done that twice. We've already got two holy roller preachers up here. But one of these days at the veranda of heaven... The trumpet will sound. Don't you give up on that. Somebody said, well, I don't believe in the rapture. Which one? Go ahead, scholar. Which one is it you don't believe in? You believe Enoch is in heaven? God said he was. You believe Elijah's there? God said he was. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was raptured out? Amen. Do, do, do you believe? Do you believe in? Do you not believe in that rapture? Amen. Do, do you understand that heaven has people in it right now that have been carried out of here? And you also know that when Jesus comes, that the blood-washed plutocracy of this earth, gravity is not going to lose its hold. If gravity lost its hold, the pews would go up, your car would go up, your house would go up. No. No, gravity is not going to lose its hold. It's going to be the rapture, the catching away of the blood-washed children of God. And we will ascend into heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is coming. I believe that. Because there's too many of them up there already. Amen. So let's get some joy today. Let's rock, let's rock out of this house. And you get to the grocery store to pick up something. And somebody looks at you and says, why are you so happy? 
Jesus is coming. And I got my name on the roll, and my place is set at the table for the marriage supper, and I'm going to eat in the heavenlies with God someday. Amen? Somebody said, when is he coming? Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour except God himself. And all I'm doing is not running around looking at the sky, but I'm listening for a strange sound to take place. The sound of the trumpet for the righteous to leave here. God has given the world a church. Get in it. Go to it. Love it. Live for it. Whip the first person who says anything bad about your preacher. Walk him and say, that's a man of God. Shut up leave him alone. Amen. I said that for my own sake, okay? Y'all fight for me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, all right? Listen to me. Let God have his way because the church is challenged. If, if, if we can get the idea that we're partaking of a touch of heaven here and our inward man for what God's going to give us in abundance in heaven. And everybody shout, praise God. Let's pray. Father, I've overextended my welcome today in length of sermon. I'm aware of that. But I want you to help us now. Because you're the King. You're the Lord. You're our hope. You're our peace. You broke down every wall of petition. You came to your own and they turned you down. You met a woman of a mixed race at a well when everybody else was running from her. And you put her in the kingdom. She ran back to town and preached one of the first sermons. And the next time she showed up at the well, she had half the town with her. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Jesus, I want to thank you for your peace. Would you give a divine calm? The world is watching the political races. Everybody's talking Trump and Biden. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing that. Lord, help us to go to church one more time and just look at Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us to walk in and say, I'm here to meet the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm here to walk into his presence and lift my hands and love him. I'm here to tell him that I'll always be a part of his program because where he reached down and pulled me out is so good. Thank you, Father, for this day and for your mercy. The church is alive and well. Oh, God, I love you for that. It is so alive and well. And in Jesus' name, allow the Spirit of God to flow in everybody's life today. And I praise you for this in Christ's name. Amen.